Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Finding Jesus in Genesis. Anyone learned something over the last, what's it now, three weeks? This is part four. Um, and um, we're looking at sort of that God, what the word says in Hebrews, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, what we don't realize is, um, like Jordan, my son says, even if it was uh, three months ago, if he remembers the place and he knows that he's been there before, he says, it's the same with the word. Like when the word speaks about yesterday, it's not yesterday, like in the... 11th of November, it's yesterday like in time before. And now we are in time present, but there's also time to come. So we want to just um, look at sort of where did all of this start? And that's where the, the genesis is really is the beginning. And we're going to go deep into that word even this morning. What does the beginning mean? But we're looking to, to find Jesus in all of our Bible. Amen. We're looking at the plan of God from start to end. And we've seen now that it really doesn't change. Like... Jesus is not plan B, and it's not a, uh, Jesus is not an insurance policy. Just think about that. You might think he's an insurance policy. He is not fire insurance. He's much more than that. Okay? It includes that. That's maybe a side benefit, but that's not the reason we have or worship Jesus. We worship him because of life, not of because not death, or he's going to protect us from death. No, he is giving you everlasting life. He's given that to you. You're in that. So we're looking at that this morning, and um, we're going to be all over the word, but um, we're going to start in 1 Peter. So 1 Peter 1 from verse 18 says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold. Some of you think silver and gold is precious, um, lasting. The word says it's corruptible. Okay? Not even talking about um, perishables like uh, fruit and veg. The word says that even silver and gold is corruptible. From... Our vain conversations, empty conversations, receiving by tradition from our fathers. So basically what he's saying is there's things that we've received in tradition that is empty. And I say that again. There's things that we've received from our fathers, traditions that we might hold on to, that is vain. Vain really, vanity speaks of emptiness, nothingness. So you're keeping yourself busy with nothing. Um, Ecclesiastes, the, the, the writer writes and he says like, um, Wind, wind, alles is gejaag na wind. That's sort of vanity. Like you've experienced it all, caught it all, and then you realize it's, it's really not what is giving life to you. So, verse 19, But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily foreordained before the foundation of the world. So we're looking at the foundation of the world this morning. The foundation of the earth is another way that it's explained. But was manifest in these line, um, last times for you. So basically saying that Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Did anyone get that? Like, the foundation really is the beginning. So, Jesus was the plan before creation. That's what, not this Peter saying, but that Peter, <laughs> the apostle. That's what he said. Like, before the foundation of the world, but he was manifest. So, he was always the plan, but now he's been made visible, manifest. God took on flesh. That was what we looked at Recently, you might need to catch up on SoundCloud, just some of the, the teachings. 
but um, I'm sure I'll give you today, enough today to keep with us. Who by him do believe in God and raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. Now, who is our faith in? It says that your faith and hope might be in God. Okay, so we don't have faith in the political system. We don't have hope in the spring box. Okay, we have faith and hope in God. Like, that's why Jesus came. Now, interesting, the word foundation there in verse 20 speaks of um, deposition or founding. It's the founding principle. You know, founders are the people who start something, start an organization, start a business. Sort of without them, it wouldn't start. But now the word in Greek there is katabole, which means conception. Okay? So we need to just break open these words because they're so rich. And then when we come to them in English or Afrikaans, we sometimes miss out on all the juice. And that's really what we want to do in our Bible study is we want to get all the juice. Amen? So he is the plan before the conception of the world. The world there is cosmos, the universe. Okay? So he is the foundation. Um, He's before the foundation. Okay? In this verse. But we'll look at other verses that also says he is the foundation. So he's before the foundation, but he is the foundation. Who by him do we believe in God... So that this foundation, this conception of the universe is really where everything starts for us. But what I want to share with you, it's not where it starts for God. Think about that. So God, like, forever existed. And that's the one thing we can't really get our minds around. Because we think of it in linear terms. We think about the start and the end, like a book. Or your life. Or a movie. Or the year that's uh, rushing to an end. I mean, we've got a month left, then most businesses will close. Um, then another year has passed. But that's not beginning to end. That's not eternity. Eternity is outside of time. Okay? And we've said that for a few weeks now, and I've realized why, because today you'll need that concept. Isaiah 40 verse 20 says, He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. So the context here in Isaiah is uh, idol worship. So basically saying that these people pick hardwood trees, trees that won't rot. Okay? And then they make idols, um, seeking unto him a cunning workman, someone who's clever with his hands, to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Okay, so they're making wooden statues, wooden idols. And maybe in our day and age, idolatry is a bit different. Okay, it's a bit different. We worship different things, not God. But we maybe move past, in most of our senses, we think we've worshipped past um, worshipping man-made things. Yet we're in the posture of worship over our cell phones most of the day. Just think about that. Like, this is prayer. So are we really as free as we, we think we are? He says, have you not known? So he's talking to these idol worshippers and he says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? See, this is where the Bible gets interesting. So now we're picking up this term, in the beginning. Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? So what I'm saying to you is there's nothing new that God has done, like it's before the foundations of the earth, the message has been available from the foundation of the earth, and from the beginning it's been told. That's what the verse says. Okay, do you read it with me? Have you not heard, has it not been told you from the beginning? So it's not just people who's telling it, but we know creation is basically proclaiming the gospel. Romans 1 gives us that idea as well. So we are proclaiming the gospel, and it is understood, or it is, you're able to understand it, from the foundation of the earth. So we have this mindset where only us after the cross can understand the gospel. And that's not what the word says. 
Because that's the first wrinkle in your brain, hopefully this morning. Remember, it was in promise form. They were looking forward to the hope of glory, the Messiah to come. Now we look back at what was manifest, but we know that the Messiah has come, so now we have the substance of things hoped for. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Okay? Substance of things hoped for is not you praying for a new car and it arriving on Christmas Day. Sorry. There's much better for you, which is eternal. Okay? So we're going to go with this idea of Christ, our foundation, the foundation of the earth and before the foundation of the earth. But what I want to ask you this morning is, where do you live? Where do you live? I don't want your address. Okay? But think about it for a moment. If you have to answer, where do you live? I promise you, most of you are underselling your address. You're undervaluing your reality. When I tell people where I live, I say it's just outside Stellenbosch. Because technically that is true. But um, if someone lives in Dalsich or Mostersdrift or De Zalze, they will tell you maybe exactly where they live or not, depending on <laughs> your preposition to um, how important those things are to you. But I'm asking you this morning, where do you live? Hold that thought. I'll show you. So Christ is our foundation, and He is the beginning. We've seen that before. But He's also the first fruit. I guess I want to I play with you a little bit this morning and, and, and show you how all these things come together. So there's the beginning. And the word beginning, I was actually um, I was speaking to you, Impi, and I showed you how I do Bible study after the service on Sunday. And I opened Genesis 1.1 and I showed him how... I look at the Hebrew and the different words, and it hit me like a ton of bricks in the Strong's Concordance that the beginning, the word, is also translated first fruit. And I sort of knew that would be the message. <laughs> so, in the beginning can also be translated in the first fruit. Okay? So, what is first fruit? Don't answer because you might be wrong. I'm not going to ask you to come in January and bring your first fruit. Okay? I know some of you have done that. That's not first fruit. First fruit is not money. First fruit is Christ. And I'll show you it from the Word, because it says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20, that but now Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits, or first fruit, of them that slept. So who is first fruit? What is the first fruit? Can I give you a secret? They kept this verse from you because they wanted your money. Christ is the first fruit. And you know when the first fruit was offered, the whole harvest was holy, dedicated unto the Lord. And that's the concept here. In Him, because He's the offering, now the whole harvest is holy, including you and me. And that was the plan from the beginning. Genesis 1.1. And I'll show you this morning that the beginning is not a, just a time. It's not just when. We make it when. We think linear. The beginning is when, but it's also where. Okay, hold that thought. The beginning is when, and the beginning is where. So, one quick detour. If God is life, and God is good, and God has no shadow of turning, nothing bad, we say, come from God, where does death come from? And one of the things that I've... I've thrown out here and there, and then I'm, I always uh, feed of, not feed of that it impacts me so profoundly, 
but your feedback, because I know that's what I need to minister into. So the question is, if God is not into death, where does death come from? Anyone with, that's a good answer, thank you. Sin. Man. Us. Okay. So don't listen to me, listen to the word, because 1 Corinthians 15.21 continues then, says Christ is the first fruit, but for sins by man came death. Not God. God's got nothing to do with death. God, didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I cannot be life and death. I put life and death before you, choose. You can't choose God and the devil, you need to choose either. (laughs) You can't choose darkness and light, because once you turn the light on, the darkness flees. The darkness disappears actually, it doesn't even flee. We think flee, it goes right somewhere, no, it disappears. Okay, by man also, the resurrection of the dead, which is the man, Jesus Christ, obviously, God taking on flesh. Romans 6.21, what fruit had you then in those things wherefore you are now ashamed? It's all of us, I'm sure, have something that we can, could be, like, not should be, could be ashamed of. If you're in this church long enough, hopefully we'll wash you with the water of the word so long that you will stop being ashamed of your past. Because love keeps no record of wrong. And whatever we did wrong in the past can be for His glory if we just cover it with grace. Not if we blame God. I made mistakes that I was ashamed of. But in the men's camp here that we had recently, I was openly sharing about some of those mistakes because I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Because I know I'm covered in innocence. I'm forgiven by His blood. I've been washed by the waters of the Word. And I'd rather use my mistakes to minister to someone and say, Hey, I've done that. Don't do it. It's not life. It's not, it's not freeing. It's going to bind you. So, Romans 6 says, For the end of those things, the things that we're ashamed of, is death. You can't be ashamed of God. Like some of us would, might be. But it's not really ashamed in the sense of the word. It's the same like um, what Peter was when the lady said, like, Do you know Him? He says, uh, No. <laughs> he wasn't ashamed of God. He was just afraid for his life. Okay? So what is Paul referring to about those things? Verse 22, But now, being made free from sin, and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. Someone want to read that again? You have been made free from sin. You know, it's like Paul and Silas who could leave the jail, but the, because the gates were open, but they still sat. A lot of us sit in our sin, the gates is open, you've been freed, but you just need to walk out. Take the shackles off, open the gates and leave. Okay? You are more powerful than what you think. You've been set free by the blood of Christ. Amen? And become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness. Why? Because the first fruit was holy, now your fruit is holy. Okay? It says there, um, and the end, everlasting life. So that's what we end up with everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. That's what Jen said. Like, sin brings death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so, I mean, that's just something that we need to get our heads around because I've spoken to my, um, my grandmother a while ago and she's now 18, 9. And I said, Grand, you, know, you don't need to be sick. And she asked me a profound question. She says, but how would I die then? Because that's where she's now. That's the reality of, of, of where she's at in life. Like she knows the end is near. 
I said, well, you can just go be with the Lord. You don't need to die. You don't need to be sick to go be with the Lord. Because God will not be in the sickness. He will be with you in the sickness. But he won't be in the sickness because he, is, he can't. He's, he doesn't have death. Sometimes we pray, Lord, let it end. But he can't answer that prayer. Because he cannot bring death. Because he's got nothing to do with it. See, we need to think a little bit. We can't just go about life. We need to pray. And I believe there's a sense that we could let go. We could sort of say, like Paul, like, I'm not sure if I should go or stay. Now, he wasn't considering suicide. He was just making reality real. Like, what is his true reality? So, that was our detour. We're looking at our Genesis. Last week we said when we find Jesus, we find our beginning. When we find Jesus, we find our Genesis, our new start, fresh start, new beginning. But I want to ask you, where did all of this come from? Where does our story start? Now, I said to you already that the story of creation, like we find in Genesis, is not only about when, but also about where. Okay, Hold that thought, and I'll unpack it for you. So Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think this is where we can put the slides up, please. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first word in Hebrew is not in the, but the word reshith, which means first, which we get beginning, chief, or first fruit. Okay, so first fruit, God created. The beginning, first in place, time, order, or rank. The beginning, the chief, or principal thing. So that's the Hebrew concordances that I'm sharing with you. So the principal thing in this sentence is not God, but beginning. But we know that God is the principal thing. We know that Christ is the first fruit. So we know from Revelation that Jesus says, I am the beginning and I am the end. So when we go back to Genesis 1, we know that the beginning is not just time, but it's place. Or rather, person. Okay, now if you think I'm taking liberty, the word says clearly in 1, John, in 1 Corinthians 3 that when we find Christ, the veil is removed, and now we go back to the writings of Moses, and we see things as they are. We see the true reality. Of how things are. And that's really what we're doing here. Is we're unpacking the word. And we says in the beginning. Yes when our life started. Our genesis. God created the heavens and the earth. He created the heavens and the earth. I'm asking you where. We know when. Okay. In the beginning. But I'm asking you where. So hold on. Hold on to your horses. Isaiah 40. Verse 21. From the Young's literal translation says. Do you not know. Do you not hear? Has it not been declared from the first to you? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Again, telling us that what God's been doing has been declared from the first. Can we say the first verse? From the beginning. Where does the Bible begin? This is amazing, by the way. Genesis 1.1 is the first verse. So, 
Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? What's really amazing is the gospel is in Genesis 1.1. It's been told to us from the beginning. Yes, it's also in the story of Genesis. It's also in the Exodus. It's also in Jesus walking the earth. It's also, yes, in the resurrection. It's also, yes, in the outpouring. It's also in the birth of the church. It's all a first. But it's like it's the same story over and over and over again, just in different forms. In the beginning, God created. Amen? In the beginning. Now, interesting, the disciple John picks up on this as well in his first verse of his first writing in John 1 verse 1. Okay? He says, In the beginning... Don't miss that. This is the gospel according to John. Where does he start? In the beginning. No better place to start, I mean. <laughs> like, that's where we need to start. In the beginning was the Word. Okay, thank you for that, John. We think time. Yes, it is time, but it's not just time. In the first fruit was the Word. He actually clarifies it. He says, because, and the word was God. We know that God is the first fruit. So now we see that, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, in the first fruit. What was there? The word. So it's time, but it's also then, it's when and it's where. I have averse to bring all of this home. Okay, so some of you are frowning big time. Just hold on. I need to take you somewhere and then we're going to... We're not going to land the Boeing today. We're going to take off. (laughs) There's no landing. Verse 2 says, The same was in the beginning with God. So we can't take verse 1 without verse 2. We can't take verse 2 without verse 1 because then we don't know what the same is. So the same there is referring to what was just mentioned. And then with can also be translated together or within. Sorry for the typo there. It was almost 11 o'clock last night. Together. So the same was in the beginning. Together. God. The beginning, the Word, and God was all together from the start. Now, I'm paraphrasing. That's good teaching. Now, if you say I'm paraphrasing, (laughs) or you make an asterisk and you say, emphasis mine, because we're not adding to the word, we're explaining the word. The same, the word and God was, interesting that the English translation uses a singular introduction to was, not where or were. So was, if you know your tenses, speaks of single. So you don't want to agree with me in verse 1, but then it says in verse 2, was. So you have a problem. Because was is single. Was in the beginning with God. So now you can say, yeah, it speaks of the word. That's fine. So the word was with God, but the word was God in the beginning. The first fruits were together within God. So what this really brings together is just that God is not 
spread out. One of the things that we have, if we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is we think we can divide God into three parts. Maybe subconsciously. So when I deal with the Spirit, I'm actually only dealing with a third of who God is. We won't say that, because that sounds wrong, but just check yourself. Now, I'm praying for this, the, the Jesus now, because He's going to represent me to the Father. Okay, so you're only, you're only worshipping a part of God, or one of the three gods, like, God forbid, we won't say that. But then, Colossians 2 says that in Him was the fullness of who God is, but in a body. So when we're worshipping God in the man, Jesus, we are worshipping the fullness of the Godhead. Okay, so that explains this verse. So from the beginning, God was one. Amen? And the Word was God in the beginning. 1 Corinthians 15.23 says, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterwards, they that are Christ's at His coming. So Christ is what? The first fruit. Christ is then the beginning. Because we've seen that the beginning can be translated first fruit. I think there's a slide for that where I have the three Ischelaikans next to each other. You just go to the next one. Next one. There. Uh, just one back. So the beginning we've seen from Genesis 1, 1 as first fruit. Now we see two verses referencing Christ as first fruit. So now Christ has to be the beginning. This is where calculus helps me. Because if beginning equals first fruit and first fruit equals Christ, then Christ equals beginning. I'll give you a moment to check my math. Okay, now, if you don't want to do the math, just read Revelation where Christ says, I am the beginning. So you don't need to agree with this. Now listen to this. This really gets good. Colossians 1.17 says, And He is before all things. This verse just got so much life. He is before all things. He is the beginning of all things. He is first. He is before. So, I don't know, who was here first this morning? Let's give honor where honor is due. Ruan was it here? <laughs> Barant. <laughs> okay, so Barant was here before me. Confession time, I wasn't here first. <laughs> Why was he before me? Because he was first. So Christ, who was before, was first. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He's the Aleph and the Taf. He's the Alpha and the Omega. It's all the same thing. And we'll say Amen to all those verses. But to apply those verses, usually that's where it becomes a little of a stretch. Okay? I think there's a slide for that as well, Teresa. Colossians 1.17. 
The second part is also amazing. It says, and by him, all things consist. Now, we know the word, through the word, God created. God said, let it be, and it was. So through the word, he created. So by him, all things consist. We'll agree with that. But the word by, actually translated in Greek, means sort of a combination of in, by, and with. So it's because of him, but it's also with him, and it's also in him. It's in, by, and with him all things consist. That consists then is set together, introduced, exhibit, constituted, or make stand. I told you it's a teach today, okay? but it's going to help you. So he is the beginning of all things, and in him, by him, and with him, all things come together, all things are introduced, all things exhibited, constituted, that's when the constitution is, this is how we start, this is how we're going to do things, and by him, in him, and with him, that with him is important, all things are made, made to stand, like come to existence. I'm asking you again, where do you live? It should become apparent to some of us already, like, where this is going. He is the beginning of all things, and by Him, in Him, and with Him, all things consist. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Aleph and the Tough, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, God, who is, who was, and who is to come. Yesterday, today, and forever. The is, the was, and the to come. The Almighty. Now, the word Almighty is translated omnipotent, okay, in Revelation 19.6. And it says, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Omnipotent meaning like, He's altogether mighty, but omni means like omnipresent. So omnipotent means He is effective everywhere. So we say, Hallelujah, God Almighty, but we think we can hide from Him. The word is deeper than that. It means He is omnipotent. Potent means, speaks of potency, uh, effectiveness, like power. And omni means everywhere. So He is effective and powerful in all things everywhere. Moses wrote about this. David writes a psalm. Psalm 139, right? When uh, you shared that with me last night, I smiled because I was also using it for a different way. It says, even if I make my bed in Hades or Sheol, you are there, the place of the dead. I cannot hide from God. Okay? In Him, in the beginning... In, with, and by Him, everything is made to stand. Revelation 1.17 says, When I saw Him, I fell down at His feet as good as dead. But He laid His right hand on me, and I heard His reassuring voice saying, Don't yield to fear. This was the first message of this series. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's everything in between. Don't fear. There's a verse for you. Do not fear. Why not? I'm the first and the last. Amazing. Huh? You know when you, you, you have the message birthed in your heart and then you just get a verse that just stamps it. 
There you have it. Whatever you're going through, do not fear. Finances, sickness, exams, whatever relational strain, whatever fear where you live, whatever you're going through, do not be afraid. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ, for I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I am the Aleph and the Taf. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha and Omega, really, Aleph and Taf, means I am the fullness of the message. There's nothing from start to finish. Okay, there's things that's not about Jesus. Amen? The word Job's friend says, that's not about Jesus. But they are reprimanded for those words. So that's how we need to study the Bible. We can't just open the Bible and say, thus saith the Lord. Because you need to read on, but maybe thus saith the Lord, like, rebuke thee. Like, I reject thee, or I don't agree with thee. We need to read those things in context. So, Revelation 22 then. So, we were just in Revelation 1. Chapter 1 of the last book of the Bible. We were in Genesis 1, 1, the first word in the Bible. And then Isaiah tells us that from the first word, the gospel is preached. The beginning. Now we're looking at the last chapter of the last book. So, we're really covering some ground here this morning. Well done for keeping up. He says, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Funny that he would mention it in the beginning and in the end. Like a good writer brings the introduction and the conclusion together. What do they tell you? How do you write a good essay or do a good speech? I tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I tell you, and then I tell you what I've told you. That's how you read the Bible. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm showing you what I've done, and now I told you, I'm telling you what I've accomplished. That's the epistles. Telling you what happened is the gospels. Telling you what is to come is what we call the scriptures. Okay, helping you some Bible study here this morning. Okay, so we're not going to land the Boeing. We're going for a home run. Okay, don't strike out. Hold on. Now, as I do my Bible study, you use cross-references and you do word searches and you sort of go on this, it's not a rabbit hole, but you, you sort of, you valley and, and galley through the Bible and you, you come to different things in different places and like you go from Genesis to Revelation and you want to make sure that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, whatever you want to bring across, it's not just from one verse, not one idea, like first fruit. If you bring it from one place, you, you corrupt. If you bring it throughout the Bible, you show the shadow and the substance, you protect it. Yeah? Good doctrine is for your profit, not for my bank account. Move on. So I was reading three verses, and in my heart, I felt God say, This is where I parted it. Started. It's like, Lord. He says, yes. I read it again, and I read it again, and I'm like, I can see that. And he says, let me show you what those verses mean. And I did my research, and there's a slide for it with a website reference, just to tell you I'm not making these things up. And really, it speaks about... Um, so Christians for Bible Equality International, that sounds like an organization that you can trust, doesn't it? <laughs> so they're writing 
with a rear view mirror, like they said, like obviously looking into the back into the past. Um, it's more clear now. But they said for the apartheid theologians, that must already... The differences between races trumped any similarities. Okay? Acts 17.26 was possibly the most important text for apartheid theologians. Okay, we know Hitler also had some verses. Why this is not grace light, but why we go into the study like we do this morning is because of that. Because that is the horrors that happen if we get it wrong. If we do not rightly and correctly divide the word and apply the word as it was intended by our loving Father. Okay, so let's read what these guys used and then let's see what God intended. So Acts 17.26 says, And has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. Already what they did with the rest of the verse is contradicted by that. Because it says one blood for people to live everywhere. Okay? And has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That's where the Tastelander came to be. Grenze. Separation. But now you know I'm not here to be popular. He has made of one blood all nations of men. Men there is people. Remember we're in King James. Sexist. <laughs> people. For to dwell on all the face of the earth. And has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. One blood. Adam. I'm asking you first or second. Both depending on how you read the verse. Talking about natural man or spiritual man. Times before appointed. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. From start to finish. That's the time. You see why we, we, we had to build up the foundation of our understanding to come to this. And the bounds of their habitation. Okay, so... The times before appointed, we've seen from many verses now that God is in, the, in yesterday, today, and forever. God is from the beginning till the end. God's time is all time. Okay? God's time is all the time. Because it's eternal. It's outside of time. So a time appointed is start and finish. It's everything. The beginning and the end and everything in between. Ordained before the foundation of the earth, we've seen. So the time appointed was before time started. When was Jesus appointed, ordained? Before the sun and the moon, before seasons. Okay? Now, the, the one that we need to get to then is the bounds of their habitation. What is that? And this is Paul, by the way, preaching. This is out of a sermon extract from Acts 17. And he says, and um, he continues, verse 27, and that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him. And find him. So he's seeking, like, 
There is something put in existence so that people will search for God. That's what he's writing. Like, let's read it like it is. There was something put in motion so people will seek for God. We saw that he is in whom and by whom and within everything exists. So that we would realize we are not here by ourselves. We're not here for ourselves. Like, there has to be a God. We all know that. Romans 1.16 speaks of the same thing. Now look at this. That though... He be not far from every one of us. He is preaching at Mars Hill. He's preaching to philosophers. He's preaching to unsaved people. And he says, God is not far from any one of us. I'm not a universalist. I'll show you why. He's preaching at Mars Hill. He's preaching to idol worshippers. He's preaching to philosophers, people who is the cleverest people of this earth at that stage, or they think they are. He is preaching a gospel message, and he is saying that God is not far from anyone. And then he says, for in Him, in Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our being. The Young's literal says, in Him we are, in the I Am. We are. Who? Every one of us. I'm not saying everyone is saved. I'll show you why. So the bounds of their habitation is the boundary in which we live. You agree with me? From verse 26. Is Christ. Is Him. You cannot stop in verse 26. You need to read on. He says, He has set the bounds of their habitation, which is in Him. In Him we live. In Him we move. In Him we are. Now I'm asking God, like God, give me a picture to help us understand this concept. And you know, the Bible is full of teaching aids. And He shared with me a fishbowl. In the beginning, God created in Him. God created. So I, I didn't get to it, but I wanted to put a fishbowl here. Say so in Him. And then you put the rocks in. Day one. Put a light in. Day one. Put the rocks in. <laughs> Day two. He put the fish in, day five. Put a scuba diver in, day six. (laughs) Just as a teaching aid, just to help us fathom this amazing thought that we're living in Him. An atheist, then, can be likened to a fish that doesn't believe in the fishbowl. Even though their whole substance, essence, life relies on the fishbowl. But just because you can't see it, just because it's invisible, says, I don't believe. I'm not saying God is a fishbowl. I'm using a teaching aid 
to bring across a concept that is maybe more profound than what we've realized. He is the boundary of our habitation. In Him we live and move and are. How did the so-called apartheid theologians miss out on what God intended in His Word? See, it's got nothing to do with life here. It's in Him. Now, Let's say God is the fishbowl and the water and we live in Him and we are in Him and we move in Him and we live because of Him. Doesn't mean God is in every fish. Doesn't mean the water is in every fish. Even though the fish might be in the water. Barry agrees with me. I've got a vet that agrees with me. <laughs> so the fish is only alive when the water flows through the fish's body. And Jesus said, I'm standing at the door... In Him, He's there, He's knocking, but unless you let Him in you, you did. In Him, we live. In Him, we move. In Him, we are. In the I Am. In the beginning, God created In Him. Just to help you a little bit further. Jeremiah 23:24. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Says the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth? Says the Lord. Psalm 139.8 says, If you go to heaven, you will be there. If I go down to the place of death, you will be there. If I go east where the sun rises or go to live in the west beyond the sea, even there you will take my hand and lead me. Your strong right hand will protect me. Again, doesn't mean everyone is saved. No, it means that we all exist close to God. Acts 17, 26, 27 and 28. Behold, Revelation 3.20. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. God is not far from the unbeliever. There is no such thing as an ungodly place. There is just ungodly people. Think about that. That is reconciliation. Hey, breathe in the water. <laughs> Acknowledge that you need life. And let's swim together to make a difference in this world. Will you stand with me? I'm going to read a few verses from Ephesians 1 over you. And let this just like fall on you like rain. So close your eyes, open your hands. This was a, a verse like Hebrews 13.5. It says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now just this. 
It's impossible. Yet, Psalm 139 said it's impossible. But we've not linked it all together. We've not brought it together and say, oh, He cannot leave us. Even when we are unfaithful, He cannot be without faith because He is everywhere. He cannot leave you. He has nowhere to go because He is everywhere. Listen to Ephesians 1.4. It says, And in love He chose us before He laid the foundation of the universe. Because of His great love He ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in His eyes with unstained innocence. For it was always in His perfect plan to adopt us as His delightful children through our union with Jesus the Anointed One, so that His tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify His grace. For the same love He has for the beloved Jesus He has for us. And this unfolding plan brings Him great pleasure. Every time someone says, Yes, Lord, Someone opens the door. His life flows into a new person. The light shines. Someone is brought from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of life. It brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasure of redemption by His blood, by His life. The total cancellation of our sins. All because of the cascading riches of His grace. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us. Amen? releasing all forms of wisdom and understanding. And through the revelation of the Anointed One, He unveils His secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of His long-range plan. Isn't that what we received this morning? The hidden mysteries of His long-range, long-term, from-the-beginning plan, which He was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. Ladies and gentlemen, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is gracious. God is kind. God is merciful. God is good. God is love. God is life, and it's got nothing to do with death. Yes, there's some stories and accounts in the Bible that we need to explain, and we can explain most of them. That's not the point. We don't want to know for what we're against, because we're not against many things. We are for God. We are for the gospel. We are for life. We are for forgiveness. We are for grace, because we are for Him. Amen? Because He was for us, first of all. We only love because He loved us first. When did He start loving you? From the beginning. Amen? Before the foundation of the earth, you were ordained to be adopted. Think about that. Like there's times in our lives, if you think back, where we think God wasn't there, or we missed out, or like we were so far from God. Really? In Him. Everyone lives, moves, and have their being. What this should ignite in us is a passion for evangelism. Because God is not far to the one who hasn't yet received. God is all around. God is right there. God is with us. God is, God is knocking at their hearts. And the only thing we need to do is, yes, Lord, open and the life streams in, floods in. And we become one with Him. And we get up in the morning with purpose. We feel like we belong. You know this is true. You feel like life makes sense. You know where you come from. You know who you are. You know where you're going. You know why you're here. So many people don't. And so many people do not know or believe that God is good and only good. That God is the same from the beginning till the end. 
I preach my heart out now in four messages to help you get that. Because if you get it, you won't be the same. You will sit in an exam and you will know God is there. Just think about that. You will be in hospital next to a dying loved one and you won't feel like, God, where are you? In Him we live. In Him we move. In Him is our being. Whatever situation we have, if we look at the bank account and we look at the accounts that we need to pay, He is right there. Everything is in Him. He is never far. He is with you. He is for you. And He wants to be in you. Amen? He wants to be in everyone. Like, just think about it. It's not good for the sea if fish die. The sea has enough in it to give life to all the fish. God is big enough that we can never deplete the life source, the love source, the grace source. They just take a moment and just just receive this this morning. Like just become aware that God is here. We we say it so often, but <laughs> He's here. Like we can't see Him, but He's the one that holds all things together, like the fishbowl. He is the reason that we live. He is the reason that we have purpose, that we have relationships, that we have each other. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.